Hi, and welcome to Finding Drishti Podcast. I'm Terry Cohen, a yoga teacher out of Austin, Texas. This week's episode is recording from a four-week workshop series I led at Austin Bouldering Project. We discuss different philosophical concepts to help declutter our minds, which are then applied to how we can approach asana, pranayama, and meditation. I hope this series resonates with you and lightens your mental burden. Find a comfortable seat and listen in. Yeah, this past week has been uh, heavy for anybody who watches the news. I don't know why I keep checking the news. It's never good news. So anyway, um, this workshop landed at a time I think that we, we kind of all needed a little decompression. Yeah, all right. So last week we covered um, just starting to unpack our baggage, right? All the stuff that we hold in our brains. We did a lot of grounding as part of our practice. Um, we did vipassana meditation, which is insight meditation. So starting to just go into our own minds and start to kind of like, okay, what's hiding in there? What have we been holding on to? And so this week we're going to be tackling trying to declutter, just trying to look at why we hold on to so much. Uh, I always reference the show Hoarders. <laughs> I watch terrible TV. This is kind of the theme that you'll get when I start sharing. I share the, theme, the, the show Hoarders because it's, it's representative of a lot of what we do in our own brains, right? We hold on to resentments. We hold on to, you, you feel like when you meet those people who all they do is complain at you, Right? They like can't get over something small, like, they gave me the wrong change when I went to buy my hot dog. Can't they count their quarters? You know, and then that person complains for like three more hours, and every person that they meet after they've shared that one story with you, it's about how they, they got wronged in the change making, right? So that's part of our hoarding tendencies. It doesn't always have to be the stuff, the physical stuff that we hold on to. A lot of times it's stuff that we hold on to in our heads. It's um, things that we can't seem to let go of, things that are, are hurting us, that have wronged us at one point, things where we feel like we're being held back or that we just can't seem to get past certain things. And so we have this yama, which is the first limb of our eight-limb path of yoga, called aparigraha. And so aparigraha, and if you're the note-taking type, I'll spell it for you, A-P-A, R-I-G-R-A-H-A, Aparigraha. Aparigraha is talking about non-hoarding and non-grasping. And so there's the physical non-hoarding and non-grasping. Um, you know, as part of our practice, we want to make sure that we're being mindful of the things that we keep around, that we, we, we're making cleanly space and using only enough of what we need. This non-hoarding sometimes shows up in our poses, right? Um, when I was really super pregnant the first time around with my older son, I was like rocking headstand before then. I was doing like wheel pose. I was like finally getting like some really big openings. And when my teacher started making me modify, I felt like, oh, I don't, I'm not ready to let those go. I'm not ready to let go of certain poses because I've finally gotten some, you know, like the twist. The twist feels so good. When you're pregnant, you can't do that. You're squishing the baby. You're twisting your belly. You can't do that. And so I had to let go of my tendency, like, but I just got that pose. It feels so good. I finally got there. And they're like, don't jump back anymore. 
don't twist anymore. Don't do, and I'm like, <sighs> and it felt so weird to not do certain things because I was so attached to certain poses. But the thing I had to learn as I was working through a parigraha is that even when we let go of certain things, it doesn't mean that it's gone forever. You know, I had to give up certain things because it was my pregnant state of body and, and it was the safest thing to do for me and for the baby. But it didn't mean that those things were gone forever. It just meant that by the time I was able to get back into them, it might have been a little bit different of a progress to get back into them. Or my body's just going to be different than it was before pregnancy, and I had to be okay with that. So part of a, a parigraha is not just learning how to let go, but how to also frame our perspective on our hoarding tendencies to say, this is not the end of the world. If I let go of the grasp of something, that does not mean that everything has collapsed. Right? It just means that it's changed. It just means that it's created more space for something else to come up. And so in that example of during my pregnancy, I had to let some stuff go, but then it also gave me more room for other parts of my practice. My breath practice became way more important, right? <sighs> Labor. <sighs> Trying to figure out how to control my breath for that stage of my life. And then when I got back into my body after having a baby, relearning how to use my hips because I was no longer having all the weird hormones that make everything loosey-goosey. I had to relearn how to get my abdominal muscles to talk to each other again because they'd separated and one was doing one thing and one was the other and my balance was all off. So it just created space for me to learn something else. And it actually helped me strengthen other parts of my practice and parts of my body. So when we think about how we're always holding on to things in our mind, we need to take it one more step back. Why? Why do we hold on? So I'll share another show that I've been watching. I'm getting the theme here, right? I started watching this show called Shrill. Does anyone watch Shrill? It's on Hulu. Okay. I didn't find it until I was like mindlessly surfing. Um, so the, the main actress in it, she was on SNL. And she, um, she has this really bad boyfriend. And if you've ever been in a bad relationship, as soon as you watch this show, you're like, Break up, break up, right? It's a bad relationship. He doesn't tell her that he's seeing other people. Uh, he makes her sneak out the back door so that she doesn't get seen by his roommates, right? Like he's hiding her. And so if you've ever been in a relationship, whether it's with a friend or a coworker, with a boss or like in a, a romantic relationship, and you start to see these bad patterns, why do we hold on to them? How long have we been in bad relationships? Right? We've all had something in there in our past. So in the show, she's holding on to him because she's, she's an overweight person, and she thinks, if I break up with this one guy who's actually showing me attention, I'll never have a boyfriend again. Right? So thinking about that and going back to any examples that you have in your own life, I've been stuck in a job that I was so not happy in, that I was being taken advantage for the amount of time that I needed to be there because I was a junior person and all these senior people were like, just dump more work on the junior people. It wasn't a good relationship. And I stayed in the job probably a little too long because I needed insurance coverage. It wasn't the best reason to stay in it, but it's, there's always something. 
And we hold on because we're afraid that if we let go, we end the relationship, we leave the job, that our lives will fall apart. And every time that I've come into a situation like that, and I'm sure you've experienced that too, as soon as you finally leave that bad relationship, the bad boyfriend, the bad job, the bad whatever, it sucks for a little while, but then something else opens up in your life. You get into a better job, something that fits better with what you're looking for out of your career. You meet nicer people that treat you better and you realize, man, that last thing that I was just in, that was terrible. Why was I stuck in that? Why didn't I break up out of that? So this grasping and holding on, it's coming out of a place that we think, well, if I hold on a little longer, it's going to give me more security. It's going to give me more comfort. Because I at least know that if I'm stuck in a bad job, I know all the elements of why it's bad. True, right? But what would happen if I let go of that and gave myself an opportunity to grow into something else? There's uncertainty in that, right? I don't know when the next job was going to come around. I didn't know if I was going to meet somebody new within a few months or like five years down the road. It's kind of scary to be in this like, groundlessness, this uncertainty, this like floating, and you have no idea where you're going to land. And because we're so scared of the uncertainty, we never let go of the things that we probably should. And that's kind of a powerful lesson in there, right? How many times have we just been stuck? We feel like they're, like we can't move our feet, that it's too hard to change. It's just better just stay in the bad thing, right? And you hear about this also, you know, with people who are in abusive relationships. And everyone on, you know, social media, you look down the comments, why didn't they just leave them? If she was getting beaten up, why didn't she just leave the boyfriend? It's not that easy. It's not that easy because we have this tendency to grasp and hold on to and grip, even though we know it's not the best thing for us. So part of this, part of the philosophy is learning how to be okay with the vulnerability to be okay with that uncertainty, and to actually lean into it and find strength within that uncertainty, find strength within ourselves so that we can make that next step, whatever that next step needs to be. Maybe it's changing how we relate to that person and having an honest discussion. Maybe it is you really do need a break up and you need to move on. Maybe it's just taking a break, taking some time away and reassess and giving yourself a little bit more space. Maybe it's you finally have the courage to apply for a job that you actually want. Right? There's a bunch of different ways that we can go. And this isn't about saying you have to break up with every bad relationship you have. I'm not saying that you should just bail as soon as things get bad. It's about taking the time to just step back and reassess and look at why. Why am I in it? Why am I stuck? What's holding me back? Right? And this fear that we have that we're not going to feel secure, that we're not going to feel comfortable. This is the source of a lot of our suffering. This is the source of a lot of our anxiety. And we just stay with it and we bottle it in. And we don't share either. We go, well, I don't want somebody to know that I'm stuck in a bad relationship. You might tell like your best friend, if you have a best friend worth you know, sharing that level of stuff with. But we don't want to be seen as vulnerable. We don't want people to see that we are hurt or that we're sad. But I bet you that any time that you have the strength to be vulnerable, 
somebody will meet you there equally. And if they don't meet you there, then you move on from that bad friendship too, right? But somebody will meet you there to give you a lending ear that maybe they've been going through total crap too. And suddenly you're like, oh my God, we're both going through crap. Why haven't we shared this in a while? Right? So to find that vulnerability and the strength, and you might find that somebody else is strong enough to share their vulnerability too. And that's pretty powerful too. All right. So with that said, we're going to take a page from Marie Kondo. Anybody know Marie Kondo? She does the KonMari. Okay, she has like a Netflix show now. And I made my son watch this after I made him watch all the Hoarders episodes with me because I'm like, this is why you need to clean your room. <laughs> so we were watching uh, Marie Kondo's um, show. And the way that she approaches things is she goes, okay, your closet is filled with crap. You can't find anything. You feel like you're buried by your stuff. Pull it all out. She's like, empty your closets, empty your dressers, any piles of clothes. Put it all on the bed. And then you're supposed to take one piece at a time, and you're supposed to, whatever your first reaction is, if it's not a spark of joy or like, oh, ooh, then it probably goes in the pile of like, maybe we don't really need it, right? So you start sorting things, and you put all the stuff that brings you joy. Now, that's where you start with. I think that part is the easy part for us, right? If you start to sort through your mind and go, oh, those are good things. Those are good things that are happening. I feel a spark of something. Hold on to those things. It's the other stuff that clutters our space in our mind or in our, our physical space that starts to go, well, one day I will lose enough weight to wear these jeans again. Do they bring you joy? But, you know, when, when I lose weight and I finally get back to my high school size, who has that goal anyway? Don't go back to your high school size. But you hold on to things with the hope that it'll become useful to you again later. And to be truly honest, by the time you probably get to that size, that is out of style. So donate it. Get rid of it. Right? We can do the same kind of thing with the stuff that's stuck in our heads. Hold on to the stuff that brings you joy, that sparks something. Everything else that we're holding on to, you keep a friend around because, because you know that they'll always go to happy hour with you, but do you really connect with them? I don't know. Is it worth keeping that person around? I'm not saying yes or no, but you can do a little bit of exploration around that. And if you find that you're hoarding that person or that thing in your life for the reason that if you let it go, you're scared, then maybe it's okay to just let go and see what happens. It's kind of interesting to think about too, right? To give yourself that kind of permission that we don't need to hold on to things just because we feel like we're obligated to. So last week we also talked about the labels, right? The labels that we address for ourselves. That the things that get assigned to you are the only things that you should live by and that we start to stick all these labels as if that, that is your true identity. Well, we can start to peel those off. I don't really need certain labels. Maybe I don't need any labels at all. Let it all go. And then maybe only find certain things that feel really right for you, that you feel like, well, this is actually part of my true self. I'll hold on to that. That sparks joy. Keep that. The other stuff, well, I'm holding on to this because it makes me look good on my social media resume. Set that aside. Right. So we're going to focus a little bit more on exhale and a breathing practice that we're going to do next. And where this exhale comes in is it's a physical letting go, 
So if you ever find yourself feeling really anxious, you're having a really stressful moment and you're like, you're holding tight to everything, half the time you're holding your breath and you don't even realize it until you finally go, ah, when you finally let that first big exhale out. So we're going to try practicing our exhale today. It's going to be kind of our physical focus uh, with our breath. So we're going to take a little bit of seated meditation and I'm going to give you guys a few options here. So we have a block today. I'm going to give you a few options to play with for your seat, for your seated meditation. You can use it as just a little lift under the seat where your knees are dropping forward. You can play with, and you try all of these out. You can play with using it as kneeling so that you're sitting on the block, your feet are next to the block. This might feel okay. You can do this one-legged where you can rest your arms. You could do a half cross leg and one leg up. So for right now, find something comfortable. That blanket is there to cushion your, if you have bony ankles or bony knees. Right. And if you, you can do the same with a bolster. But I want you to just find some way to sit. Test it out. Test out which leg you want where, in front, behind, tucked, whatever. And we'll be here for a few minutes, so just make sure that it's something that feels okay. Sit up tall and then go ahead and close your eyes. Your hands can be resting anywhere that you need. If you want them on top of your legs, if you prefer them on top of your body, over the heart or over the belly, that's fine. You could be palms up, you could be palms down. But soften your eyelids, let them close, let them get heavy. And then just start to find a breath from the base of your spine, inhaling all the way to the crown of your head and then slow down the exhale until it all comes out. So we're gonna try to add a count to this. So your inhale, let's aim for like four, count of four to the top, and then try to exhale to a count of six. Slow it down, really get that last little bit of air out. And then keep working with this breath. So even if other thoughts start to pop up in your head while you're breathing and just trying to pull your attention away, just push it to the side, label it thinking, go, mm, okay, I had a thought, and then come back to your breath, counting the breath. Four on the inhale, six on the exhale. Add another element to our breath. As you on your next inhale, I want you to find a little bit of focus and energy in your right foot. And then on the exhale, fully relax your right foot. We're going to bring some energy to your right ankle. And as you exhale, fully relax your right ankle. Now bring some attention to your right kneecap. And as you exhale, fully relax your right kneecap. Bring some attention to your right thigh. And as you exhale, fully relax the right thigh. Inhale into the right hip. 
fully relax your right hip. We'll move on to your left foot. And then fully relax your left foot. Tension to your left ankle. And then let go of any gripping through the left ankle. Let's move up to your left kneecap. And fully relax the left kneecap. Focus into your left thigh. And then let go of holding through the left thigh. Tension to your left hip. And then fully relax your left hip. Bring attention to your right hand. Maybe even put a little tension through the fingers on an inhale. And then fully relax your right hand. Move up to the right wrist. Exhale, let any of the tension go. Bring attention to your right elbow. And then fully release any tension there. Energy to your right bicep. And then fully relax the right bicep. Attention to your right shoulder. And then ungrip through there, let it soften and fall. We'll move into the left hand. And then fully relax the left hand. Attention to your left wrist. Let go of any holding through the left wrist. Move up into your left elbow. And then fully relax the elbow into the left bicep and then fully relax your left bicep. Attention to your left shoulder. Fully relax your left shoulder. Bring attention to your jaw, maybe even grit the teeth just slightly. And as you exhale, loosen it, let it relax. Bring your lips together, bring a little tension there. And then fully relax. Right nostril. Relax the right nostril. Left nostril. Fully relax the left nostril. And close the space between your eyebrows, a little scrunch. And as you exhale, soften the space between your eyebrows. Good, now just come back to your breath count, slow it down if you lost your way. So I'm gonna read a passage to you here from comfortable with uncertainty. It says, we fear losing our illusion of security. That's what makes us anxious. We fear being confused and not knowing which way to turn. We want to know what's happening. A warrior accepts that we can never know what will happen to us next. We can try to control the uncontrollable, 
by looking for security and predictability, always hoping to be comfortable and safe. But the truth is that we can never avoid uncertainty. This not knowing is part of the adventure. It's also what makes us afraid. So I remember when I was starting to have to do more adult things. I was finishing up college, getting ready to go into my first job, move away from home, move out of Texas. And I remember having to gather things for taxes. And I asked my dad, why do taxes have to be so hard? And I was just kind of whining to him, this adulting thing, it's so hard. Why can't it be easy? And he said, well, if it was easy, it wouldn't be fun. And I've tried to hold on to that for any time that I felt like something was getting too hard, something was a little too uncertain, that I didn't feel confident because it was something new. And changing that perspective, changing that need to grasp onto what was comfortable, what was safe, what felt easy, I had opened myself to new learning, to new opportunity for whatever was coming next. So if it was easy, it wouldn't be fun. If it was comfortable, then we aren't truly living yet. Take a normal inhale all the way to the top. Exhale all the way to the bottom. And we'll flutter the eyes open. If you're seated on something, let's go ahead and move it out of the way. Let's find child's pose. And you can either take your knees wide or keep, keep your knees together. You can either reach your arms forward or reach your arms back, but let your head connect all the way down to the floor. Same idea with the letting go on the exhale. We're going to use our exhale to soften anytime we're in any pose. We're going to work through about a half hour asana practice and it'll be fairly gentle. It'll be more challenging mentally because we're going to have these tendencies to want to either hold the breath or find comfort as fast as we can. We're going to try to keep with this four count inhale, six count exhale, even as we move through our asana, our poses. Just establish yourself into your legs, into the hips, feeling the head connect into the floor. We'll take three more breaths here. Slow down the exhale. Another inhale. Slow down the exhale. And one more here. And on your next inhale, come up onto hands and knees. And keep the eyes closed or soft. And we'll start to work through some cat-cows. So your inhale, you're gonna drop your belly down, open your chest, lengthen the heart forward, as you slow down your exhale, move through your spine from the tailbone up through the spine all the way to the crown of the head until your head drops 
and you're arching into your back. Inhale brings your heart forward, lengthen. And then move through that slow exhale, one vertebrae at a time until your head relaxes. I'll let you work at your own pace. Just a little bit more emphasis on that exhale. Come back to a neutral spine. You might need to stagger with your neighbor a little. We're going to step your right leg out to the side. And I'll mirror you guys for those of you who are in front of me. So you're going to step your right foot out to the side and seal that foot down. So you may need to move some stuff. You might end up on your neighbor's mat. That's okay. Make friends with them. Good. From here, you're going to walk your hands over toward the left until your left hand can plant down. <laughs> And then you're going to open your right arm over the ear to the side of the room. Now see if you can open the hips and open the chest. Take an inhale here. Slow down the exhale and see if you can find a little bit more length. One more breath here. You're going to bring the hands back down. Keep your leg out to the side. We're going to walk the hands through center. Keep going until your right hand can find your right leg. And then we're going to come up tall onto the knee, and you're going to open your left arm over your head. If it feels more comfortable, you could turn your right toes out to the side, and then keep opening through the chest. Breathe in. Slow down the exhale, seating and deepen just a little more. We're here for one more breath. Slow down the exhale. Good, release your hands back down. You'll come back to the front of your mat and we'll slide your right knee in. Let's go to the other side. Step your left foot out. Feel the outer edge to the floor. We're going to start by walking everything over towards your right. Plant the right hand down, open the chest, left arm goes over your ear. See, so you can feel that outer edge of your left foot down into the floor, connecting into the floor, and the floor pushing back into the foot. Maybe find a little bit more opening of the chest, maybe find a little bit more reach. Take one more breath here. Then release the hand down. We're going to walk everything through center. Keep going over to the left. Left hand might connect with your leg here. Maybe you want to point those toes out. We're going to roll the chest open. Right arm goes overhead. Take another inhale here. And release the hands back down. We'll come back through center. Bring your left knee in. From here, tuck your toes and lift the hips. We'll take downward facing dog. And go ahead and take some movement in the backs of the legs. You can pedal out the feet, bend through the knees. Spread the fingers really wide. Soften the knees a little bit so that you have more room for length in the spine from your wrists up to the hips. And then let your head just drop through the arms. 
You're not having to do any work through the neck. Open and close your mouth a few times. Loosen up the jaw. One more breath here. Slow exhale down the backs of your legs. Good. You're going to rock forward into plank pose. Top of a push-up. Shoulders are over the wrists. We're going to spend a few breaths here. You're welcome to take these from the knees, but think about a long line from your knees up to your shoulders if you're doing them from knees. We're going to be here for two breaths. Slow down the exhale. One more inhale. Slow down the exhale. All right, we're going to start to rock forward on your inhale. See if you can lower all the way down to the belly with the speed of your exhale. Right, once you get down to the bottom, point your toes behind. You might need to shift back a little if you're up against the wall. Hands are underneath your shoulders, elbows are in. Let's take a little baby cobra here. Push into the hands, slide the heart through. And make this softer. Relax the hands into the floor. Okay. Feel for the length of the spine growing. Soften something on the exhale. So even though we're using some strength here, the whole body doesn't need to be tight and tense. You only need it where you need it. We're here for one more breath. And then exhale, lower back down. Good. Press back into child's pose, hips to your heels. Take the space that you need. Where are you still holding tension in the body? What can you let go? One more breath here. Okay, we're going to come back into a downward facing dog. Tuck the toes, lift the hips. You might want to keep your block handy. We'll use, we might use it for a few poses here if you need your hand a little bit more uh, supported to the floor. From here, you're going to inhale your right heel high, three-legged dog. Slow exhale, bring your knee in towards your nose and rock forward into plank. Inhale, we're going to re-extend, three-legged dog. Slow exhale, knee into nose. One more time, inhale. Slow down that exhale, bring the knee into the nose, and we're going to step your foot between your hands. Go ahead and set your back knee down. Back toes point behind. We're going to come up into Anjanayasana. You're going to float your arms to the sky. So as soon as you lift, if you feel really wobbly, like you're trying to balance on a tightrope, move your right foot to the right a little. If your hips are tight, you feel like you need a little bit more stretch, walk your right foot forward, lean into it just a little bit. Keep the upper body buoyant and soft. Shoulders are going to drop away from the ears. Find only as much strength and effort as you need to be in the pose. Take one more breath in. Good. Bring the hands back to the floor. We're going to tuck your back toes and lift your back knee. Now let's come all the way up into a high crescent lunge, arms to the sky. Your back knee is lifted. So same idea if you're feeling a little wobbly. Move the feet so that you have a little wider stance to work with. Feel where you actually need strength. And then let go of where you don't. Take one more breath. 
Good, let's open this into warrior two. You're gonna spin your left heel down, your right arm will come forward. You might need a little more space here. If you tend to hold a lot of tension in your shoulders as you exhale, drop them away from your shoulders. See if you can find a nice long line going from fingers to fingers. And we'll be here for one more breath. Slow down the exhale. Good, reverse your warrior. Flip your right palm, take it up to the sky. Legs stay the same. Right. See if you can find a little more upward lift. It's a very subtle arch back behind you. And then see if you can sit into the hips just a little more. Nice. Take one more breath. Okay, come back to your warrior two. From here, we'll straighten your right leg. This is maybe where you want to block. We're going to set up for our triangle pose. You're going to reach as far forward as you can go first, and then drop your hand. It might come to a block on the inside of your leg, or you might bring the hand to the shin. Push your left hand straight up to the sky. So use both of your feet equally. Part of this practice is really finding how much effort you need, inviting ease, but then also balancing all parts of the body so that this feels more effortless rather than I'm dying. <laughs> right. Use your feet, feel them root down into the floor. One more inhale here. Soften into your exhale. Okay, we're gonna come back to a T. I'm going to turn everything to the long side of the mat, so you should be pointing to the mirror. We're going to take toes out, knees out, sit into your hips, coming into goddess pose. Hands will come into heart center. So it's activation through the thighs. You're going to try to open those knees as best you can. And even though I hate this pose personally, this is more of a mental practice right here. Now you're probably gripping somewhere in your body. Can you let that go? Usually it's in like our jaw, in our face. Well, our face can't help us in this pose. Breathe into your legs instead. We're here for one more breath. Slow down the exhale. Good, inhale, straighten your legs, reach your arms out, star pose. And then exhale, let's cartwheel everything back to the front of your mat, towards your right foot. You'll step your right leg to the back of the mat, high plank. If you'd like to move through a vinyasa from here, follow your breath. If you want to skip it, come straight into downward facing dog and meet us there. Spread the fingers wide. Relax your calves. Let your heels drop. One more breath here. On your next inhale, lift your left leg high. Carefully bring your knee in towards your nose as you exhale, rock forward. Inhale, re-extend, three-legged dog. Exhale, knee into nose, slow it down. One more time, inhale. Exhale, knee into nose, and then we'll gently step this foot through, set your back knee down. Float the arms to the sky on Janayasana. Make some adjustments in your legs. Left foot to the left a little. Play with how much depth you really need through the hips to feel whatever it is you need to feel. Sometimes we come into a pose and it's uncomfortable and then we feel like we can't move because nobody else is moving. You can move, okay? You can adjust, you can wiggle, but use just the first few breaths to do that and then once you find it, 
soften into it. Take one more breath here. And let's release the hands back to the floor. You're going to tuck your right toes and pick up your right knee. Power up into your legs. We're going to come up into our high crescent lunge. Take the arms to the sky. Back heel is spiked. Make some little adjustments in your feet. Good. Now notice if there's any gripping in the body. Are you clenching your jaw? Are you scrunching up your shoulders? Can you soften those faces? Two more breaths. Slow down the exhale. One more inhale. Let's open out into warrior two, spin your right heel down, left arm comes forward. Give yourself more room here. Take those shoulder blades back in space like you're up against a wall and then drop them from the ears. On each of your exhales, see if you can sit a little more firmly in your legs. Your legs are super strong. They can handle being in this pose for a few breaths. You will not die, I promise. Two more inhales. Slow down the exhale. One more breath here. Good. We're going to reverse your warrior. Flip your left palm. Take it up. Keep the bend of your left knee. If your back toes are turned toward the back of your mat, I want you to bring them more forward, about 45 degrees, so that you can use the heel and the outer edge of your foot to keep you stable. One more breath here. Come back to your warrior two, and we're going to straighten out your left leg. So reach as far forward as you can go. There's your inhale. Slow exhale, drop the left hand, block, shin, whatever you need here. But push out of your left big toe up through the hip. That leg is straight with a micro bend of the knee. More of the weight is coming into your back leg. Your back leg is there to help you stay stable. And can you feel a little bit more float across the chest up to that right arm? Take one more breath in. Slow down the exhale. Inhale, come back up to a T. And we're going to turn everything to the long side of your mat. Again, toes out, knees out. Sit into the hips. Palms together at heart center. Close your eyes here and really focus on the breath. Even if things start to shake, even if you feel like you're wobbling, soften the shoulders. Notice what the first parts of your body or your brain start to grip. We're going to be here for three more breaths. Slow down that exhale. You got this. Two more. See where else you can relax. One more. Slow exhale. Good. Inhale, straighten the legs, reach everything out. Exhale, you're going to cartwheel things down to your left foot. You're back at the front of your mat. Step your left leg back. You want that vinyasa? You can take it. We'll meet in downward facing dog. Good. Shake your head no here. Nod your head, yes. Make sure that head is nice and heavy and relaxed. Okay, we're going to walk the hands to the back of the mat until you're in a forward fold. Place the hands at the back of the head and let your elbows drop forward and down. So we're just using weight of the arms here. If you want to add a little bit of movement, maybe a side-to-side sway, another shake of the head, maybe you want to work through the legs. 
one more breath here. Good. Release the hands down. We're going to keep your feet about hips width distance. So only about four to six inches between your feet. Good. On your next inhale, bring your hands to your shins. Lengthen the heart forward. Slow down the exhale and fold back down. Again, halfway lift on an inhale. Slow down the exhale, fold back in. One more time. Slow down the exhale, fold back in. Good. This time we're going to inhale and rise all the way up to the top. Take your arms with you. And then exhale, bring the hands into heart center. Good. We're going to come into a chair pose here. So you're going to sit into the hips and reach the arms to the sky. A little bit more weight into the heels. And you can either stay in this hips with distance variation, or if you prefer, you can step the feet closer. This is another pose that I absolutely hate. But your legs are stronger than your mind. We just have to train your mind. Stay for the inhale. Slow down the exhale. One more breath. Good. Inhale, you're going to straighten your legs, reach everything up. Slow exhale, fold forward and down. Take your time, get all the way to the bottom. Good. Half lift from here, inhale. Good, hands to the floor, walk it forward, find plank pose. And go ahead and bring the knees down. So we're in a nice position to do chaturanga push-ups from the knees. You're like, oh God, we're doing push-ups. Yeah, we're going to do some push-ups. So chaturanga push-ups, your elbows are going to stay next to your ribs. We don't want them flaring out. These aren't traditional push-ups. We're going to keep them in. And it's going to be a slow exhale. Inhale, broaden across the chest. Slow exhale. You're only going to come about halfway down. Inhale, press back up. Slow exhale, about halfway down. Inhale, press back up. Last time, slow exhale, halfway down. We're going to pause here. Take an inhale. Exhale, lower all the way down. Good. From there, toes are pointing behind. Heart opener of your choice. So you could come back into a little baby cobra. You could come into a mid-sized cobra. You can come to a full up dog. You could take this into shalabhasana. I'll leave that up to you. Keep those shoulders away from the ears. Your neck is growing long. We're going to take two breaths. Elbows are in. One more inhale. Good. Exhale, release out of it. And then we're going to press back into child's pose, hips to your heels. Scan through the body. Loosen the grip, whether that's physically in the fingers or the jaw. Or maybe these are expectations that you have of your body and how they should perform in a pose. You're here for two more breaths. Slow down that exhale. One more. Good. 
Good. Find your way back up to downward facing dog, however you want to get there. From here, we'll inhale your right heel high. Step your right foot to the outside of your right hand. You can choose from here whether you want to bring that back knee down or if you want to come closer to the floor, maybe forearms onto a block or all the way down to the floor. But try to keep the hips level. What I don't want is you sinking down into one side. And we want to make sure that this knee is over your ankle so it's supported. So we're not way behind the ankle. We're also not way in front of it. Use your props any way that you need. And we'll be here for quite a few breaths. A little bit longer holds than on our other poses that we've done. And again, focusing on that exhale, we're going to let this pose deepen on its own accord using time and breath. Stay with the breath. Use only as much effort as needed to be in the pose and then let everything else go. Maybe your mind is trying to wander on you. Can you stay in a place where you're kind of just in the middle, that there's just enough sensation to know that you're in it? Not so much that you are dying to get out of it. Not so little that you've started creating a shopping list in your head. Just enough. And then work from there. We're here for three more breaths. And then we'll gently come back onto the hands. If you have that back knee down, go ahead and lift it up. You're going to move your right hand to the other side of your foot. And we're going to heel toe this foot across over toward your left wrist, and then drop your right knee out toward your right wrist. And then from there, we'll set your back knee down again. You've got a blanket nearby that if you need any amount of cushion under the legs, feel free to use it. So just make sure that your knee is out to the right enough that your foot isn't getting stuck underneath the body. We want that hip open. And then from there, we'll lower. You can use that block if you need a little more height, block underneath the forearms, or maybe block underneath the head. Relax the back toes. Let them go straight back behind you. Sometimes that ankle likes to roll. Good. Send your breath into that right hip. Give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling physically 
and mentally. Give yourself permission to let go of anything that you don't need. Again, if you're in that space where your mind is trying to run away from you, bring it back to the breath. Bring it back to the sensations you're experiencing in the body and let go of gripping whatever it's holding on to. Two more breaths here. We'll gently start to come out of our pigeon, pressing back up onto the hands. You're going to tuck your back toes, pick up your back knee. Send your right leg up and behind. I want you to move through this right hip. Take it through some circles. We're in tight quarters, so be mindful of your neighbor if you're wanting to flip your dog. And then we'll set your right foot down. When you're ready, let's work into the left side. Left heel high, inhale. Step this foot to the outside of your left hand. Give yourself some space here, and then we'll drop that back knee down if that feels better. And then if you want to get lower to the floor, you can come onto the forearms using a block, or maybe not. Start that process all over again, using those exhales to soften. Just taking notice what's getting stuck. Our hips especially are where we tend to hold a lot of our emotions. And so it's perfectly normal that as soon as you start to open hips, and I mean like really take the time to open them, icky things might emerge in your mind. We try not to judge whatever comes out. We just label it as a thought and come back to the breath. Notice if you're holding your breath at any moment, make sure that exhale is fully releasing. Good. Stay with the sensations of the body. Relax the fingers, relax the head, relax the mind. We'll be here for three more breaths. Two more. Last breath. And we'll slowly come back onto hands. Let's pick up your back knee. 
Move your left hand to the other side of your left foot and we're gonna heel toe your left foot across over to the right. Drop your knee wide toward the outside of your right wrist. Use those blankets, use that block. Give yourself any amount of cushion that you need. And then we'll slowly lower back and pivot. Relax your right foot straight back behind you. Make sure that ankle isn't falling in one direction or the other. And if you find that your head is floating and that you're feeling tension in your neck, use that block and put it under your head. Let the block hold your head. Or you could even stack your fists and rest your head on your fists if your block is being used elsewhere. Two more breaths here. And then we'll gently start to come back onto hands. Tuck your back toes, lift your back knee. Take your left leg back up to the sky. Move through that hip, get some blood circulating through there. And then from here, we're going to walk your feet toward the front of your mats and then roll down onto your back from here. You might want to take your blanket with you. And we'll use it as like a proper blanket on top of your body. You could keep it folded if you want just more weight in one spot or if you're feeling a little breezy under the fan and you want a little bit more coverage. Let the feet relax and flop open. Let the shoulder blades flatten down into the floor. And before we fully settle down into a Shavasana, we're going to bring in some Tonglen meditation. So Tonglen meditation is a practice of giving and receiving using the breath. So the idea of this Breathing practices that you'll first bring to mind someone or something that is suffering or that just needs a little bit more healing or love or attention. That could be someone you know in your life. It could be a group of people. It could even be yourself. It could even be somebody that you're mad at. Because even people that you're mad at, they're probably suffering through something. And wouldn't it be better if they stopped suffering so they stopped being rude to you? So you're going to bring this person into mind, even if that person is yourself. And you're going to breathe in that person's suffering. You're going to imagine that it goes right into the center of your heart. And your center of your heart is an incinerator. And it's going to burn up whatever that negative energy is. So that when we exhale back out into the world, you're sending out healing, 
love, compassion, attention, whatever it is that's needed. Keep the eyes closed. Keep that person in your mind's eye. Imagine that incinerator. It's a bright light. It's burning whatever that is up. And then send out some good. Breathe it in. Transform it. And then exhale it out. Allow your body, allow your heart to be a transformational machine, to be a conduit so that things can start to pass through you, so that you have somewhere to direct your energy. That instead of holding on to resentment, to hurt, to pain, to anxiety, even if it's affected by somebody else, that you have the ability to transform that. We're going to spend five more breaths here. Keep working into this breath practice. Take a full deep breath in through your nose. Open your mouth. Just let everything go. Do that again. Big breath in. One more. Let your breath just come back to a normal pattern. Rise and fall of your chest and your belly. There's no more work to be done here. Let's soften into our Shavasana. Relax the toes. Relax the arches of your feet. Relax the shins and the knees. Feel the weight of your pelvis. Let go of any holding through the belly. Let it rise, let it fall. Feel expansion across the chest and anchoring down into the back body. Let go of any gripping through the fingers, the palms, the wrists, the biceps, the shoulders. Relax your throat and your jaw. Keep a little separation between your top and bottom teeth. Relax your nostrils and your cheeks. Let your eyelids get really heavy here. 
soften the space between your eyebrows. Unfurl your brow. Feel your scalp relax into the floor.
bring awareness back to your breath. Start to add gentle movement into your fingers and your toes. Circle your wrists and your ankles. Reach the arms overhead. Take a full body stretch. Yawn. Move your jaw around. Draw your knees into your chest. Roll over to your right, coming into fetal position. Just give yourself a few breaths on your side. Start to use the hands, press up to a comfortable seat, and blink the eyes open. When we start to get to the root of our suffering, this grasping and gripping and holding on, we don't know when to let go, we don't know how to let go, When we can get to that place and say, okay, I'm ready to lean into this fear that I have. I'm ready to lean into this vulnerability. It's going to feel a little scary to take that first next step. And that first next step might just be a place where you have a little bit of conversation with yourself. And that might happen during meditation, you could do vipassana meditation, what we did last week where you're allowing yourself to kind of just sift through what's floating through your head, giving attention to certain things, but then letting other things pass through and move on. It might be a little bit of work of sifting through your friend list or your desires or what you're trying to accomplish and realizing all the things that might be holding you back, that are keeping you from being able to get into a more open space, that we're so closed off that we feel that we're boxed off. So I'm going to share another quote with you guys. This is Pima Chodron, When Things Fall Apart. And it says, It's not a terrible thing that we feel fear when faced with the unknown. It is part of being alive, something we all share. We react against the possibility of loneliness, of death, of not having anything to hold on to. Fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth. And what she means here by the truth could be clarity. Think about you finally get out of a bad situation and suddenly things become very clear. You know that in my next job, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. In my next relationship, I will never let somebody do X, Y, and Z to me. Suddenly, we can get very focused on what we actually need, and we find that truth so that when we make our next step, we are looking for more truth, that we don't run to the next thing that we're going to hide from, that is going to bury us again. Right? That cycle of kind of falling in the same patterns, that's called samskara in yoga philosophy. And that's talking about these kind of habitual patterns that we have in life, almost like grooves in a record. 
and that the more times that you stay falling in the same groove, those grooves just get deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, there's no way to get out of that cycle until you can recognize something isn't right and until you can find the truth of where you need to go next. So we have to break the cycle. It's easier to stay in the cycle because we're comfortable with what's already shown us is not great. But as soon as you can step out of that cycle and go, oh my gosh, there's a whole other world to explore. There's so much more about myself than I now understand. When you find the next thing, you know that that's a little bit closer to what you want. And it might be like four steps down the road, right? We're no longer in a generation that takes a linear path for our career. To say, well, I started out as a junior XYZ and I'm gonna end up VP of the company in 30 years. That doesn't happen much anymore. We bounce around. We're in a generation where we are giving ourselves permission to explore a little bit more, that it doesn't have to be in a straight line. So if it takes you four or five bounces before you find something that feels more like the truth, then that's okay. That's what you need to do. It works for any category of our lives. You are not stuck just because you took a first step in one direction. You can zig, you can zag, you can stop, you can take a step back, you can redirect, you can jump on another train, right? There's all different ways to work through this. So parigraha is just a great reminder through our physical practice, through our breath practice, through our meditation practice, of teaching us where we need to let go, where we've been holding on for too long. So we've now unpacked our baggage. We took the time, we got grounded last week, we unpacked our baggage. This week, we went down to the root of where a lot of our suffering and anxiety comes from, our grasping, our gripping, our hoarding. Next week, we're gonna start moving toward understanding another concept, impermanence. And as we start to work into that next week, we'll talk a little bit more about letting go a little more by Ragya. And then we'll bring all of that into how do we finally surrender, let go fully, and take in whatever the universe is asking of us. So let's end our practice today with a chant of Om. We're going to bring our palms together at heart center. You're going to sit up nice and tall. Close your eyes. First, take a deep breath in through your nose. Sigh it out. Inhale the chant. Oh. Namaste. Thank you all so much for being here. Um, anybody have questions? Anything that popped up from last week, if you were here last week? Need me to spell any Sanskrit? All right. Yeah. Samskara, S-A-M-S-K-A-R-A, Samskara. So samsara is like the cycle of suffering. So samskara is kind of like our 
habitual habits. Yeah, so they're, they're a little bit similar in that they are cycles, they're both cycles. Um, some scars aren't always bad. Some scars could be something good. Your morning routine, you always brush your teeth in the morning, that's a good samskara. <laughs> you know, creating a ritual around um, brushing your teeth and paying your bills, maybe that's part of just like what you do. Um, so they're more about just habitual patterns to just be aware of. And some habitual patterns are great. Um, all habitual patterns should probably be looked at at some point to decide whether it's one worth keeping or if there's some adjustments that you need to make. Samsara, um, and actually I have a great quote in here if I can find it really quickly. Um, it's kind of like expecting the same thing to happen every time um, uh, when you do nothing else to change it. Give me just a second. There's a really good one in here. And the books that I'm reading from, this is um, Uncomfortable, sorry, Comfortable with Uncertainty. This is Pima Chodron. And then the other book is When Things Fall Apart. All right, so here's, here's what she got to say about samsara. Always looking for a way to have pleasure and avoid pain is how we keep ourselves in samsara. As long as we believe that there is something that will permanently satisfy our hunger for security, suffering is inevitable. The truth is that these things are always in transition. Nothing to hold on to is the root of happiness. If we allow ourselves to rest here, we find that it is a tender, non-aggressive, open-ended state of affairs. This is where the path of fearlessness, fearlessness lies. So it's being stuck in this idea about pleasure and pain and having expectations. So that's, that to me is just a slightly different some scars really look, you could use these samsaras and then make a habitual pattern about it and then get stuck in that. Yeah. And samsara is spelled similarly to samsara, just take the K out. Yeah. All right, anything else? So I am recording these um, for my podcast, so if you end up missing any of the sessions um, during these four weeks, and you want to get access to my podcast, come find me outside, and I've got a mailing list. I only mail people like four times a year. It's when I remember to do it. Um, but if you're interested in that, let me know. And if any questions pop up since then, on those cards that I left up there is all my social media stuff. I use the same handle, so you can hit me up on social media. I'm pretty, pretty uh, attentive to answering people back. All right. Thank you guys so much. We'll be doing it again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Finding Drishti Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please tell your family and friends. And if you're local to Austin, you can find my public teaching schedule at findingdrishti.com.